Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is David Popovici. Now, I hope I said that right, Um, but David, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Sure. Yes. So, um, originally born in Romania and, uh, grew up in Chicago in the United States, uh, got born again there, got married there. And the Lord has called us to serve him here in the middle East. And we've been serving him here for almost a decade now in, in the nation of Iraq. And then for people listening, they think that I like this guy. I want to find out more about him, his family, what they're doing. Where can they do that? Yeah, they can, they can always connect with us through our website, which is uh, kgmiq.org. Okay, I'll put that link in the description. Um, also, I know people have had you as a guest speaker at times, and those videos are on YouTube. So if people want to hear more from you, then I recommend they just go to YouTube, type your name in, uh, stop browsing. So, David, can you take us as far back as you want to take us on your journey to where it's brought you today? So, however far back you want to go, we're all ears. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. And hopefully, the the internet doesn't. You know, sometimes it can get a little bit choppy. It's not necessarily you know five G out here, but uh, it seems <laughs> like it's working so far. So. Uh, so, yeah, as, as I mentioned, I was born in Western Romania uh, during the time of communism. And uh, my parents fled like many, um, like many Romanians during that time um, for religious freedom and for other reasons. And uh, I grew up in the U.S., grew up in Chicago, grew up in a home that, that we, we knew Christ. We were not connected to any kind of like local expression of, of worship and um, as a young man, got really involved in in the world, um, and was very lost. And that was until I had a real life transforming encounter with the Lord in 1998. I was about 17 years old, and um, it was it was a two day encounter with the presence and the power of God, and. To this day, I've never had such a powerful encounter with the Lord. It was, it was so real and felt so audible that at times I questioned whether other, everybody could hear the voice of the Lord. Mm. And um, the first day was really an encounter with God's holiness. It was for two straight days that I heard the voice of the Lord, and I felt like I could not shut it off. The best way I would describe it is like the internal audible voice of God. And, and the fear of the Lord so gripped me that first day. Um, I think when, when it comes to recognizing the holiness of God, and even when we share the gospel with people, any anytime we, we share the gospel with people, people will always tend to compare themselves to other people worse than themselves. And so we don't really recognize our own sin and the darkness of our own hearts until we meet a God, a holy God. And uh, I was so gripped by the fear of the Lord. I remember as the Lord was speaking to me, I felt as if all of my heart was laid bare before him. Every, every action, every deed, every word, every thought was laid, what it was laid bare before the Lord. And I remember trembling under the fear of the Lord, recognizing that I was on my way to a Christless eternity. And it wasn't because God was evil. It was because 
it, it, it was the path that I have carved out, carved out for myself. And I remember going to bed that night, trembling with the fear of the Lord, thinking if, if for some reason I die tonight, I will spend eternity apart from Christ. Eternal damnation. Uh, I'm, I, I need the mercy of God. It was that next day when I woke up and I, and I literally rolled out of bed. The power of God was on me so powerfully. I remember I was weeping and I felt the love of God, the same voice, but uh, a manifestation and a, and a revelation of the love of God so strong. And the Lord was revealing his, his father heart for me, the sacrifice of his son, his desire to save me and set me free. And, uh, and it was that day that I placed my trust in, in Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. It was that day that I repented for my sin and I felt all the shame of, of, of my past and, and even you know things that we experience, whether it's as children and growing up, just things being washed out of me. I felt like I believe I was delivered not just saved, but, but really delivered and filled with the Holy Spirit <laughs> in, in the, on that second day. And so uh, it was shortly thereafter that I uh, uh, joined the church there in Chicago, Illinois, and our associate pastor took us down to the revival down in Pensacola, uh, the Brownsville revival, and was so marked by God, knew I didn't know what life would look like, but I knew that I had to give my all to follow the Lord. And um, went down to Bible school over there for three years and really got marked. The fire of God really marked my life where I could never go back to life as, as usual. Got married and um, served the Lord in a local church there in Chicago in different capacities. But all the while really sensed a deep calling for the nations. And it's something that God really deposited strongly in my heart. When we were in Bible school, uh, we, we, it was a strong emphasis on the presence of God. And when you're in the midst of the, of the fire of God, the presence of God, it was, it was almost like the second progression to my encounter with God when I got born again. But now much more within the format of discipleship and community. And when the fire of God goes down deep into our hearts, the very nature and the person of the Lord, the calling of the Lord, the power of his spirit, um, we cannot, we, we, we have to live a separated life. We, we, we cannot just go with the flow of the world. And I remember the Lord opening my eyes during those early days, even in Bible school to his desires, his desires. We, we are saved for him. He saved me for his own pleasure and purposes. And, and, uh, and I remember even in those early days, him inviting me into his desires uh, for, for the nations of the world, for those that do not know him, to see men, women set free from the powers of sin, to see families uh, being transformed into the image of his son, that he would receive the reward of his sacrifice. And I remember in those early days, seeing statistics in like missionary classes, missions classes, and recognizing that there are parts of the world that are completely unengaged. Uh, and taking trips, subsequent trips afterwards, I remember going to parts of India, going to parts of Cambodia, where we would preach Jesus, going to different villages. And I remember people looking at us and saying to us, who's Jesus? Like, is that a new hmm. soft drink? Like, they, they, they literally had no reference point for Jesus, the Son of God. And, and the reality of that, the fact that these People were created in the image of God for his glory, for his pleasure, and that apart from him, they can have no life. And they had never even heard his name. 
And so it was, it was a seed that God had deposited early on in my heart and that by the grace of God, uh, I stewarded by his grace and by his mercy, certainly not perfectly, but um, I could never pull it out. I could, I could never rid myself of that. I had to obey that call. And uh, it, was, it was probably late 2007, 2008 that we started to get a lot more involved in, in ministry amongst Muslims. Uh, started to learn more about Muslims and God's heart for the Muslim world and realized that from the different missionaries that were going out into the world, there was a disproportionate amount of ministry that was touching the Middle East. And, uh, and I don't think that was a coincidence. I mean, it's, it's uh, the hardest places are usually the least uh, the least popular to send to <laughs> the riskier places, the more challenging places. But it was the, it was it was these very places and lands that we fell in love with because of the grace of God. Mm. And we started to take short trips to started to minister to Muslims there in our own backyard in the United States and in Chicago. And uh, the Lord began to speak to us concerning his heart, concerning his his plans for the Muslim world. And we we relocated here. Uh, in late 2012. So myself, uh, my wife and children, we have four children, alongside a team as well that, that came with us, several other families at this point that are working here in Iraq and, and the broader Middle East region. So can I jump in with a question here, David? Sometimes, I think we do this when we read the Bible, we read things and we just go, oh yes, for example, Paul was beaten and whipped and we go on to the next yeah. verse. We don't... We kind of just glance over it as yeah. if, you know... We don't oh. hold the moment. So I want to hold the moment when you said, well, we moved here with my wife and with my children. Right. I want to hold that moment because that is a huge thing. Can you unpack for us, first of all, how did you, how did your children take this? How did they catch the vision? What was the transition like for you as a family? What were the challenges you faced in that one sentence? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so one of the things that, uh, you know, one of the things that we were taught by our spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith, even when we were coming up in the faith and had first encountered the Lord was the importance of family on mission. I think sometimes there's a big, uh, we see a tension uh, between family and mission. And what I mean by that is uh, sometimes people will not obey the call of God for the sake of family. Well, I, you know, I have to preserve my family. And so they, they won't obey the call of God. And then other times people will, you know, quote unquote, really seek to obey the, the, the call of God, but at the expense of the relationship between a husband and wife or, 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 you know, father and child, mother and child. And, and so uh, one of the things that we sought to steward is, is the truth of it's family on mission. That's what the Lord desires. It's not family or mission, but it's family on mission. And so even in the conversations we, we would have with our children when they can first understand was, was the concept of the fact that not only is God real, but God is good. And what God calls us into is always good because everything he does is good from the very creation, the onset of creation. Every day he creates a, a new seg segment or inst installation of creation. It ends with, and the Lord said it was good. And it's because he came forth from him. And so mm -hmm. even, even 
those moments of suffering, as, as you mentioned from the book of Acts, they're, they're beaten and whipped to Peter and John, and they rejoice that they were given the privilege to suffer with him. They recognize it's not that the pain of the beating is good, but the opportunity to suffer for his name's sake is a privilege and an honor. And, and anything that comes from the hand of God is going to... So I think that's one of the big keys for us was talking to them that the call of God is not for, is not for, is not for dad or for mom. The call of God is, is unto us as a family. He's inviting us as a family into his call. And that's just the normal way that we sought to, and again, not perfectly, but we sought to have conversations around a table when we talk about the Lord and the call of God. It was, it was presented from the perspective of the Lord is calling us as a family, not me. And you have to, and you get, you get to, or have to tag along <laughs> for this season of your life. No, 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 no. The Lord is calling us as a family. And, uh, and another thing that I've noticed as well is that children respond to their parents. And so whether we were in the United States or whether, you know, here in Iraq, if, if we're walking in joy, if we're walking in the peace of God, if we're content in all situations, they will tend to follow suit. But if, if, if we catch ourselves getting into complaining or or whatever the case may be, and you know, in, in fear and unbelief and disobedience, it we'll, you know we'll set as as the priest of our home like the thermostat or the temperature for for the stream of God's presence, and they'll just respond and look at us because we can say we can preach one message, but the way that we live in our home ultimately will determine what becomes normal. And so, in all in all honesty and by the grace of God, to them this is normal. It's, it's, not, it's not an abnormal thing to do to leave the United States of America and, and come uh, to serve the Lord in a foreign field. Well, you said a lot <clears throat> that we could jump into. Um, there's a, one of the things that we talk about at our conferences and when we meet with pastors and leaders uh, is the, the issue of God, ministry, and family. And um, yeah, um, I know in, in Brazil, this was a, a fairly recent one, um, we were meeting with about 50 pastors and, and this ish, this subject came up and uh, they asked about God, ministry, family. And and we said, well, well, which order would you put them in? And, uh, you know, you can see them wrestling with it. And and we said, the reason that you're finding it so hard to answer that question is, is because it's the wrong question. Um, the answer to it is integration. It's God in the ministry, God in the family, family in the ministry, family with God. It, it's all one. And um, all of these pastors just broke down in tears because in seminary school, they were taught an order. And as a result of having to, to juggle these things and put them in an order, I think most of their kids had all fallen away from the faith and had gone into all kinds of different things. And uh, you could just see this brokenness. And they were like, we've never heard this before. But what you're talking about is that is, is this integration of the three and not that there's a specific order that people have to try and juggle and fit around each other. Um, you want to say something? Uh, yeah. And then before we let you go on, because we don't want to hang in this moment too long, another thing we say that you said the problems aren't the problems to children. It's how we respond to them that's the problem or not. And that's just what you said. So 
I think we have to let him go on because we could just stay in this moment and, <laughs> and, and enjoy bouncing backwards and forth. But so, so you've you've come you've come to Iraq and you, your family are on board with the vision and the passion, etc. Um, yeah. Did did you know it was Iraq? Yeah. Or did you know you were called to a nation? But as a family, you tried to figure out what nation that was. How did Iraq specifically mm, come good up? Question. Yeah, that's a good question. Yes. So we, we felt that it was it, it started, it was like a big picture that just got more and more narrow as we stewarded. And I think that's so important, even for the listeners, the stewardship of God's written word, his revealed will is how we open up our hearts to really res to receive God's instructions for his specific will. So it's as we steward the revelation of God and the word and we're faithful, he begins to speak to us even more specifically. And as we steward the big picture promises, he begins to lead us more so into the, into the narrow issues or into the specific uh, specifications of his desires. But generally it was the Muslim world and then it became the, the Middle East which by itself is still large. And then it was on the tail end of a 40-day fast uh, in the beginning of 2011. Uh, I tried to get away for the last several days uh, um, of the fast, three, four days of the fast. And uh, a friend had like a, well, I forgot what they call them now, like a timeshare. That's what they call them, timeshares. Oh, yeah. It's like a, like a cabin you can kind of rent and just go pray and be alone. And it was on like day 39 or so of the fast fast that the Lord spoke very clearly. It wasn't overly dramatic, but it was very, very clearly to turn to the book of Jonah and read the book of Jonah. And so I read it. He asked me to read it again and then again. So back to back to back in one sitting, read the book of Jonah. And the Lord asked me in, in a time of intimate communion with him, he said, what did you read? And I knew at that point he wasn't asking me because he was interested in my perspectives, my theological insights on Jonah, but <laughs> he was trying to speak to me about something, you know? So, so I, I said, okay. So I said, well, I read about a man that you called to go to a place where he didn't want to go naturally in and of himself. And he said, and why, and why didn't he want to go? And I said, well, there, there, there was so much corruption and so much evil uh, in this in this particular area, uh, this land, this people that he 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 didn't naturally he was naturally you know drawn to them. And then he says, and but what didn't he know? And then and I responded, well, he didn't know that uh, you had prepared the place for such a powerful move of God. And um, and he said, and and where did I send him? And then and then I answered Nineveh. And he he asked me again, and where is Nineveh? And I had to turn to the back maps of the bible i knew it was i knew it was the middle east but i was like well exactly where is Nineveh? the exact location modern day i i wouldn't have known and so so i looked and then checked uh, a little bit more and i saw oh Nineveh's in iraq and then it, he spoke very clearly as i sent jonah i will send you two weeks later i shared this only with my wife and a dear friend and uh two weeks later i was serving at a local church there in, in chicago the senior pastor of the church who I was serving on staff with, he knew we had a heart for them, for the Muslim world. So my pastor mentioned that he, he had another pastor friend of his who was going to host this Iraqi pastor who was coming in town for just one day on a layover before he was going to fly out to DC. And so I went to go meet him 
and we we went at a little met a little cafeteria and i remember going we sat down everybody was introducing around the table and the senior pastor i was serving with he said uh, this is the the young man who has a heart for the middle east and he turned to me and he looked at me and he said and this was his opening statement he says it's a pleasure to meet you he says let me ask you a question and yes so he, he said let me ask you a question <laughs> and he said have you ever heard of nineveh and i wow. said yes he said he said have you ever heard of jonah I said, yes. He says, do you want to go? I've got this. I mean, literally, literally <laughs> opening, opening statement. Nobody, even my pastor didn't know at that point. Even he, I hadn't shared what the Lord had spoken to me uh, just two weeks prior at the end of the fast. And so I said, I said, yes. So we sat down. And then at that point, he just turned his attention back to the table and started talking about, you know, why he was there. It was almost like for a moment, he just turned. I don't even think he knew he was prophesying, <laughs> to it's be one honest. Those, one of those moments <laughs> where he's just throwing a pebble but for you, it's like he's just throwing a boulder into your world. So he's like moved on from the pebble, but you're left holding this boulder right. he's just thrown on your lap. I, I can hardly stand <laughs> to cry. It's just incredible, yeah. David. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And so so it, that was in February of 2011. In April, I took a, our first exploratory trip to Iraq. We didn't know anybody here. I met the pastor who, who invited us for a day. And then he had to move on. He ended up moving to, he, he ended up leaving Iraq and moving, I believe, to Europe or to Australia soon thereafter. He, it really was a divine uh, connection just to get us there. And so when we came, that was our first trip in April of 2011. And um, it was another year and a half before we had moved here or so. But uh, the Lord had confirmed so, so much more throughout that time, both to myself, to my wife, to the other family who came with as well. It was, it was clear that the Lord was saying Iraq. But even when we came, one of the words that the Lord gave us was Mesopotamia. And so Mesopotamia really is a broader region, an ancient term, but that, that encompasses as well uh, large parts of eastern Syria, uh, I'm sorry, eastern Turkey, some of eastern Syria, and then parts of western Iran and pretty much all of Iraq. And so we really believe it's a regional call that is currently being headquartered in, in Iraq. Wow. Wow. Um, I mean, your story, uh, Joan, has been involved this whole way. Um, <laughs> are there any other, any other similarities in Jonah's <laughs> journey to yours? <laughs> you know, there's no whales or anything like that. So... Um, so what does your work there look like? Because, you know, people, people are listening to this from the Middle East and right across the world. <clears throat> and most of us would have our own idea of what it might look like in, in Iraq. Can you give us some ideas of yeah, what it's looked like for you? Sure. Yeah. And, and, and one thing just to even kind of preface that question that I would say is I remember when we first were starting to prepare to move here as a family and sharing that with our, our extended family in the U.S. or abroad and loved ones. And if, many people were excited, but many people who really sincerely cared for us and loved us felt like, can we, is there any other way to, to obey this word or this desire in your hearts without actually moving there, you know, like with mm. your family, with your children. And, and I really, during that time, during that season, uh, in seeking the Lord's face and, and seeking for his exact directions on how to build and where to go, 
I remember the Lord really speaking to us the, the importance of modeling and being a reference point for what God is seeking to establish in the earth. Because there's, there are many wonderful ministries that are around the world and even specifically even in the Middle East, whether it's, um, you know, satellite TV or, or, or different kinds of ministries. But it's, it's so important for people to come to saving faith, Muslims to get born again and come into an expression where you can model for them what it looks like to love Jesus, what it looks like to love your wife, what it looks like to raise your children, what it looks like to face pressure or intimidation or persecution and respond according to the word and not to you know, fear or emotions, what it looks like to preach the gospel in a setting of, of, of resistance and, and what it looks like when you're attacked with disease, you know, all, all, the, all of these things, it, it's, it's, it's so important that we bring people into an experience of discipleship that is that we live out Jesus's words in the midst of our generation. Um, and so that leads to, to, to the question. So what we do here is in essence that uh, we have different expressions of ministry. We have a house of prayer because we believe foundationally that it is prayer, the seeking of God's face, prayer and fasting, worship. That is, that is the foundation for all. And so we, we used our house of prayer as, as a way to connect with other local churches across denominational lines to seek the face of God for an outpouring of his spirit here in this nation. Uh, and, and, and of course, primarily uh, day to day, we, we preach the gospel and we, we make disciples. We work mostly within the setting of house churches. Not only, we also serve alongside some of the existing evangelical churches here in the country. But as far as how we build, we mostly, we mostly build with uh, believers from a Muslim background and meeting within a setting of house churches. And um, that would be, yeah, that would be the main thrust of the ministry. When or, you, oh, sorry, when you said um, about modeling, <clears throat> one of the, another thing that really bothers us sometimes is the use of this word discipleship. You know how far it's been removed from actually what Jesus modeled as discipleship. You know, it's not a class, it's not a book, it, it's not a program. It's, it, you know, come to this discipleship class. It, it, it's not that. Those things add to it, but they aren't sure. the heart of it. And the, and the heart of it was exactly what you said. Jesus came to model it to us. He, he didn't just write a book and throw it at us. He came to live it out right in front of some people who could then model it. And, of course, the responsibility has been passed through the generations for us to do the same. So that really resonates with what you said. Of course, in the middle of it, I mean, we when we have interns, they have to live with us for that very reason. And, of course, there's the two sides of it. It isn't easy living your life out before sure. all these people. Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, but, but it keeps you on your toes. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we often say to them, uh, for the first week, we're not going to teach you anything. Um, we say to them, you're just going to just live with us. And uh, in a week, we'll, we'll ask you what you've picked up, what do you see as things which are uh, important to us, that we're passionate about. 
And if ultimately they can't tell us what those things are, uh, then there's there's a problem. So <laughs> normally for the first week, we just let them live with us. And then afterwards we go, okay, so what did you observe? What have you picked up? Uh, and we see what they've picked up from, from just being around us. Um, I was going to say, uh, for your parents um, who fled communism, they fled a very difficult situation in Romania to give you a better life, a better life for the family. Um, what was it like for them when when they then hear, oh, do you, we're, we're heading to Iraq. Are you kidding me? We just fled communism. <laughs> we came to America to give you a better life. And now you're going to go to the Middle East and specifically Iraq, which is a very difficult situation. What, what was this journey like for them? Yeah. Um, so there was, there was a sense of in, encouragement at the same time. I think that there was this desire that we would perhaps try to find another way to obey God and, and reaching Muslims, but not necessarily you know, moving, moving to Iraq. Uh, and then, of course, it was shortly thereafter, after we moved, that ISIS took over large portions of, of Syria and Iraq. And then at that point, everybody was, everybody was saying, you have to come back. And I remember, again, going to the Lord in prayer because we didn't want to, we didn't want to, we didn't want to respond the way human wisdom would dictate to respond. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Uh, I remember praying and the Lord speaking very specifically to us to stay. And, and we were not the only ones that stayed amongst foreign, you know, ministers, but there were others as well. But I would say the vast majority left, the vast majority left during that time. And, uh, and I remember speaking to a local pastor here during that time. And he said, he's, and then we had only been here for maybe a year and a half at that point, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, I remember him saying, you know, he says, you know, since I've come to know you, you know, you, you preach the gospel, you preach the word of God. He said, but many have come even before you at different times with blue passports or international passports. They've come and they've preached the gospel and they've, they've told us how we should live according to God's word and we should be willing to lay down our lives. And he said, you know, we've been a minority that have lived in the midst of radical islam that has come in waves throughout seasons you know throughout history the seasons of history and uh, atrocities like this have come and gone and he says you, you know usually he says when they'll, they'll preach the message to us to to lay down all of our lives for jesus but when things like this happen they're the first ones to leave and he said and we can't leave in case nobody in case the listeners don't know, it's very hard to travel on an Iraqi passport. <laughs> you won't get a visa in almost anywhere, you know. And so he said, we can't leave. They can't leave. And so they leave. So I remember, I remember the pastor saying, you know, because you chose to stay, your, your words now carry weight with us. Your, your, your gospel matters because it's not just something that you choose to preach, but it's something that you're willing to attach, not just your life to, but your families as well. And I, I do believe there's, there's a measure of the power of God that, that's attached to our consecration. And, mm. and we see it in the scriptures as well. And, um, and so, of course, my parents during that time, you know, lovingly encouraged, but at the same time, we're hoping that perhaps there would be another way. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but we felt that the, the leading of the Lord very clearly throughout those seasons and throughout the current season as well. And I remember also as well, you know, speaking to my father, for example, talking about the, uh, 
the history of the church in Romania during during persecution, times of persecution, and 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 seeing what happened there. Now, certainly, communism as an ideology has not dissolved in the world, but we've seen the gospel penetrate beyond the Iron Curtain. We've seen, you know, as far as Europe is concerned, I believe I've heard that the fastest growing church has largely been in Eastern Europe, much more than Western Europe. So the, so the areas that were more impacted by communism, we've seen, the, you know, the church uh, and the move of God and what it's, what's happened in China and some of these nations that, that you know, where the Iron Curtain at one time, it seemed like the gospel was, was never going to get in and really thrive. And we've seen what has happened. And so, you know, even in speaking to my father and encouraging our own hearts in, in seeing what is possible and knowing what is possible and really believing that the Middle East is the next in line to experience a, a widespread move of God, just like, just like Romania and Russia and, and China have and will continue I think people don't very often don't think about the ripple effect when somebody gives their life for missions abroad, wherever it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, you're asking about the grandparents and then there's the aunts and the uncles and the friends. Everybody is impacted by it and, and everybody has to go on their own journey of being supportive and running with what God's saying and and it's not easy. I think grandparents probably are next in line because they're not only seeing their children go, but they're seeing their grandchildren. So there's there's a a, a double effect really on them. So yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. Um, having talked to uh, friends of ours that are in Iraq, uh, one formerly, uh, people would know Canon Andrew White. Uh, or a vicar of Baghdad, as he was as he was called, and you know we would hear stories from him about things that had happened in Iraq, uh, especially uh, during the time when ISIS were coming through, and um, things that he had to deal with. And then uh, a mutual friend of ours, we'll just call him Jay, um, a pastor there, and uh, things that he's he has to deal with. And sometimes he'll he'll send me stories or pictures of situations, and it's just heartbreaking to to see what's going on there, but yet you hear uh, of amazing things going on through those communities as well. Uh, could you maybe talk a bit about that? Because very often um, the, the natural response from someone maybe in the West is to pray against the persecution, pray for that, that side of things to stop. Um, but often when we hear from people in those lands, they say, no, don't pray for persecution to stop. Just pray for perseverance for the church, that it will continue to grow in the face of the adversity. Could you maybe talk a bit about that from your perspective and what you've seen happening there in Iraq? Sure. Yeah. Great question. And yeah, Andrew, uh, Andrew White is actually a friend. When, when we first came here, we, we spent down with time with him in Baghdad. He also came up here where we're at and spent time with us here. So we knew him well during, during his time here. And of course, the other pastor you mentioned as well in Baghdad. Uh, and so uh, that's very true because that is how we feel. You know, it's so we we've seen more. I would say the last three to four years in particular, we've seen a noticeable shift in how many Muslims started to become born again, how many Muslims started to have dreams and visions and healings and coming to the Lord. There's been a real noticeable change after ISIS. And I think in large part because 
what what the enemy meant for for evil, the Lord found a way to create a platform for the gospel of his son. I think many Muslims started to question, wait a minute. And, you know, many Muslims in the world are, are moderate or, you know, moderate Muslims and not necessarily even practicing Muslims. Even here in Iraq, many Muslims are just traditionally Muslims by name. Um, but I think it was that that kind of shocked a lot of people where they started to think to themselves, wait a minute, is this, is, is this Islam? Is this what, in fact, we were taught to believe? And, um, and it's so important in moments like those that there are people on the ground to be a light in, in those seasons of history, that there are people on the ground to be a, a light and a voice for the gospel of, of, of Jesus. And so that is very much our desire. You know, we've seen so many different people come, get touched by God, get born again, and then transition on and move, whether to Europe, the West, Australia, different places. And, and I, can't, I can't blame them because, again, my family left during times of hardship from Romania. But our desire is, is really for the church of Jesus here, that God would build a church, a glorious church uh, here in the land, that the gates of hell would not prevail. And, and we, we very much believe, just like you mentioned, that that is not just God's aim, but that he, he, he performs that within the context of pressures and hardships. We read about it in, in the scriptures, in the book of Acts. Jesus is, our, is the pioneer and chief example of this. He leads us into the same way of life. We read about it in church history, that it's through, through times of persecution and hardship and testing that the church flourishes. We read about how the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and, and, and that testifies true. And so... Um, We've seen so many leave, and, and, and we understand it's because of the pressures, but, but at the same time, our desire is for them to stay. We don't, we don't tell them they have to stay, but our desire is for them to stay. Mm-hmm. You know? And so we tell them, do what the Lord says. Don't do what the news media is telling you, your family's telling you. Seek the Lord's face. And um, it's, uh, th- that is our desire for them to stay, to persevere in the midst of hardship. And I can, I can say now there are more people coming to Christ or who need follow-up that we have the manpower to follow up with. You know, we're suffering more for the, in the last three or four years in the area of laborers when the first several years, it was just like, Lord, bring, bring us people that, that, that are genuinely open that will respond to the gospel. And uh, so there's, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of work to do um, to see a people that is formed and fashioned according to the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. David, this seems like a, a good place to start to, to close, but there are many young people who listen to podcasts these days. It's, it's very much an emerging generation thing as well as older generation. What would you say to young people who are listening to this, have perhaps thought about mission or, yes, it, it, it's something that maybe we could do or they've, you know, heard the stories like you. What would you say to them in closing as they're listening? Yeah, I would encourage anybody, you know, young people or any, anybody really that, yeah. that would be listening and have a heart for, for missions to really begin to seek the Lord and, and, and through the scriptures and to see how, you know, the people of God is, have always been called to be a witness and a missional people. The nation of Israel was 
God chose the Abraham to be a, the source of the blessing to the nations. Israel was to be a light to the nations. Jesus is our savior and raises up 12 who he then sends into the nations. Um, the church is always to be a witness. Um, the promise is that the spirit of God will come upon us. And even the context for those of us that love the presence of God and love the fire of God and, and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the context of that passage is clearly missional. It's to be empowered to be a, a, a light and a witness in our generation. And so I, I would encourage anybody who's listening to really go back to the scriptures and ask the Lord, the, what is the purpose of, of, of your spirit within it, but then upon? What is, the, what is the purpose of my calling that you've saved me from and unto? And, uh, and to try to get involved in whatever way that they can. You don't need to have a voice to get involved in being a witness for the gospel in your own backyard, wherever you may be, reaching out to the nations around you, wherever you may be, uh, in your own city. And it's as you seek his face in the scriptures, it's as you seek to be faithful in your own backyard that the Lord, I believe, leads us to, to specific nations of the world, if that should be his desire. But I think it's important for us to be what we believe God has called us to be, a missional people, wherever we're at. And then it's, it's, the, Lord's, it's the Lord's doing when he desires to shift us and move us you know, from country to country. Wow. So to close, we could do this, but I think it's going to be far more impactful for you too. Would you pray for the nation that you are in and the work you're doing? And, and let us run with, with your heart and, and your prayer in such a time as this. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And, and even that, uh, that word, for such a time as this, Lord, we believe that your desire is for this nation, this nation of Iraq. And we, we enter into, by faith, Lord, the the prayers that have been prayed for generations, the blood that has been spilled for generations here in this land and for the people of this land. Lord, our desire is that you would, you would save, Lord, that you would heal, that you would deliver, that you would build a, a, a church here in this land, Lord, a glorious church, that you would establish a glorious church, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. Lord, a people that love you, a bride that is pure and that is holy, that is set apart for you, Lord, a people from a Muslim background that are free from, from darkness, Lord, uh, from, from idols and that are in love with the gospel, in love with Father, Son, and Spirit. Lord, that are living eagerly, anticipating your return. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to raise up all the more laborers to send into this land from within and from without. Lord, we ask you for laborers, for people that love you, for uh, people that would give themselves to prayer and to intercession, to the proclamation of the gospel, that would be willing to give their very lives to see you magnified. Lord, we ask you, Lord, do a good work here in this land, Lord, for the sake of your son, for the sake of the reward of your sufferings, we ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. David, thank you. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, yeah, we, we look forward to more conversations. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. 
If it inspired you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform.